0: Hello and welcome to the Freemasons Podcast. I'm your host, Wright Warshall brother George Mudry, and with me tonight, Warshall brother Joe Zanino and Warshall brother Ken Tarwood, and we're going to get right into it because we have Pat militich brother Pat Miletic, Skyping in. Uh, brother Pat Miletic uh, was born uh, on March 9th, 1968 is retired Croatian American known as the Croatian sensation, mixed martial artist and current sports commentator. He's known for his fights in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, where he became the first UFC welterweight champion and UFC 16 welterweight tournament winner. Milich is known as a high, highly successful trainer and coach having founded Militich fighting systems. This camp is considered one of the most successful MMA history in history and has produced several world champions. On July 6, 2014, he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Since 2016, he has hosted his own podcast labeled The Conspiracy Farm with Jeffrey Wilson. We are going to discuss his career as well as his Masonic history and his podcast, The Conspiracy Farm. So without further ado, brother Pat Miletic, UFC Hall of Famer. Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, coming to you live from Morning Star Lodge number 47. Leave your aprons at the door, brethren.
1: Oh, Abraham would raise his hands and mourn this very day. For his children left the promised
2: land in search of their own way. They kick and scream like we're sons and always wanting to sleep.
0: Hello and welcome to the Freemasons podcast. I am your host, Right Worshipful Brother George Mudry, and with me tonight, Worshipful Brother Joe, Worshipful Brother Ken, and with us tonight, Worshipful Brother Pat Militich, UFC Hall of Famer and Welterweight Champion. And uh, you are a brother of the craft, and it is our extreme pleasure to have you on with us tonight.
3: Well, I appreciate that, guys, and and uh, this is the first freemason podcast i've ever been on i don't know you guys wow. might be one of the few if not the only I've, I've even heard of
0: uh there's a bunch of them there's uh there's are there? that's I awesome i think there's 30 of them but uh, when I, we found when joe actually found out that you were a uh ufc fighter and also a brother uh you are the very first person we reached out to
2: yeah you're our first celebrity uh, guest mm-hmm. and, first celebrity and, um, guest. you know i i, I, well, I appreciate I'll be, that i'll be honest i took a shot in the dark just shooting you something on twitter one day and you are nice enough to reply right away. I'm like, okay, let me not hit him with the request for the podcast right away. Um, and then, well, no, you know
3: what? That's the thing. That's the thing, man. We're, we're, we're Freemasons. We're brothers. And that's, that's something that, uh, you know, that's what we do for each other, man.
2: No, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really, cool. really cool. Thank you.
3: And you are from Iowa, correct? Yep. Born and raised in Benton, North, Iowa. Still live, uh, build a house outside the town. Live out here in the country a little ways. And, and uh, but, yeah, I grew up basically um, about, ah, gosh, literally over the hill from the river, and I currently live on top of the hill looking over the river. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Where
0: lodge do you belong to? I am a Freemason, a uh, past master of Lodge 664,
3: Hamilton Lodge, and Butler awesome
0: Awesome. Uh, so, first thing I want to ask is... Uh, how did you uh? How did you get into Freemasonry? What got you into it, and uh, were you always interested in it, or how did you get into it?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, my grand, my both my grandfathers were Freemasons, and I was very curious. I, I remember asking him what the square and compass was in the barn, and and from a young age, actually, I think in high school, maybe even middle school, I was um, checking books out at the library, just reading about it, trying to figure out the history of, you know, when the internet started. I was on the internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Looking
3: at a lot of different things, and and the things that the, the thing that pushed me over the edge was was the Freemasons' history in the American Revolution, the French Revolution, standing up for for individual rights of of citizens, right. and 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 the Alamo, you know, Daniel Boone, Travis, and Davy Crockett being Freemasons, and, and and that was something that was that was really intriguing to me, mm-hmm. and uh, just finally went down to the local lodge. Nobody, nobody, uh, I, I, I asked around on how to, how to become a Mason. Nobody knew. And I had uh, a friend of mine, uh gentleman by the name of Carlo Urso, who is a ret- uh, retired Marine and also retired from, gosh, he's done FBI work. He's done all kinds of stuff. He's a great guy lives out in New Jersey. And he walked up to me at a UFC one time and said, uh, Hey, do you travel East? And I went, well, yeah, I, travel (laughs) east and and he goes no he goes i don't think you understand he goes you're not a Freemason, and i go no and he goes you should be and that was the that was the person that finally pushed me over the edge uh to go to the local lodge and i walked down to the lodge uh parked in the parking lot walked down to the lodge and knocked on the door and you're gonna find this funny i knocked on the door how many times
2: three times three times
3: i knocked on the door three times some guy, some strange dude opens the door, looks at me, cracks the door open, looks at me and goes, who goes there? <laughs> and I go, "I go." well, my name's Pat and I'm trying to find out how the hell it would become amazing. And, and so he, he let me in. They were playing pool at the time and uh, walked in and, and sat down with a couple of gentlemen and talked for a little bit and, and that started my journey. Right.
0: Um. So you? When were you? Uh. When did you become a Freemason? Was it prior to your fight career or after your fight career?
3: Um. It was basically kind of toward the end of my fight career. Mm-hmm. Um. You know. So, but I don't even remember how many years I've been a Mason, guys. I don't even remember what the date was of my last fight. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that That's probably comes I pay al- attention to dates. Well, that and it probably comes along with your profession a little bit, right?
3: Get
2: so it, are you saying it, it, CTE? No, just getting hit in the head a few times, sometimes <laughs> it affects the memory a little bit. I haven't gotten hit in the head, and I've got a bad memory, so I can only imagine. Joe's a redhead, so he should get hit in the head a couple of times. Oh, electrocuted. Well, well, yeah. yeah I wouldn't feel it. I have no soul. I have no soul, so we're good.
3: You know what I found, though? I mean, um, redheads generally are pretty tough because they got kicked on, right?
2: Goddamn right, right Pat. You're <laughs> goddamn <laughs> right.
3: There you go.
2: Thank you. you go, for buddy. throwing me a bone. I appreciate it. <laughs> Everybody gets one. Here we go. So what, um, so prior to this uh, interaction, what had you heard about Freemasonry? Had you had any exposure to it? Did you know anything about it?
3: Well, the only thing I knew that, uh, both my grandfathers on my father and mother's side, my, 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 uh, parents were, uh, Croatian and there's a little bit of Pennsylvania Dutch also in me, but, um. My family was from the southern Iowa area. Um, All the Croatians came from uh, the area of Croatia, anyway, that my family came from. When they came to the United States, you know, back then they actually planned out immigrants, uh, where they would go in the country based on where they came geographically and what they knew how to do. Um, They actually, you know, had their act together back then. So
1: um,
3: when they landed on the island and, and they said, you know, where are you guys from geographically? What do you do? Well, they were they were coal miners and they were farmers. So they, they sent them to southern Iowa because, well, there were coal mines in southern Iowa and
1: a certainly a lot of farmland. <laughs> so
3: so that's where a lot of the Croatians ended up and my family ended up and uh, spread out there. But anyway, uh, both my grandfathers were Masons, and I was in the barn as a kid one day down in southern Iowa. I used to spend my summers down there when I was young, and I saw a big square and compass hanging on one of the, the big wood beams in this barn. you got to understand it. You know, that's back when they used the wood pins to put everything together. Yeah. Uh, they drilled drilled holes in the giant wood beams and put put giant wood wood pins through to hold everything together. This thing was built, you know, well, and and he built that barn. But uh, but anyway, that's I asked him what it was, and and he told me it's it's uh, a square and compass from Freemasonry. I remember that still as a as a grown man, and and you know that's that's kind of it started my journey in terms of of kind of seeking and I read a lot for years and years and years about Freemasonry and some negative, some positive. Oh. Um, you know, of course the negative, we know where that comes from. Um, negative; it's, it's all, it's all garbage, but, but, um, you know, that, that, that's kind of what started my journey was my grandfather's and the history. And then, you know, reading about the Alamo, um, Travis, oh. Daniel Boone, um, Davy Crockett at the Alamo being Freemasons and standing for something. Um, you know the American Revolution the French Revolution and and so many so many freemasons uh, having been part of of all of that of just setting humans free was what really made me amazing
2: so you fall into the same category as George and I somewhat where we're those history channel babies we yes. we kind of started to see those types of things and really wanted the knowledge around that and we just got got hooked at so many people that were part of yeah. uh, this country's yeah, history. It's, it's, an
3: incredible, it's an incredible history, and there's so much that we still don't know. You know, that's the, that's the cool thing about it. And Michael Crivello educated me. Uh, I, I can tell you that I walked up to Michael Crivello, uh when he was doing a show before I worked for Access TV. Um, and I walked up to him, and I, I asked him, I said, are you a Freemason? And he said, yes. And this is before I worked with him. Wow. And, and so I, I I I really uh, picked his brain. We talked quite a bit before he did did the show, and, and you know but he was also one of the one of the people that, that pushed me towards it. Though,
0: so um, you went uh, through all the chairs of your lodge. it,
3: it, it, it was a, a a neat journey, and you know, hey, uh, for a guy that got punched in the head his whole life, um, <laughs> learning <laughs> learning 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 ritual and, and putting through degree work is it's not the easiest thing for a guy that got punched in the head for twenty years. I can tell you. But you know, um, I, I I figured it out. I learned the code. You know, um, I don't know. Um, you know what 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 state are you guys Masons in?
0: We're in Connecticut. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, you're in Connecticut. So are are your books? Are your is your degree work written in
0: code? Our degree work the is actually written plain English. Um, but, really, but yeah, but the only thing so that's for the in code obligation. is the obligations that we take to each okay. other. Okay, that's in code. Okay. Um, Okay. Okay. Our
3: our entire all of our books um, are uh, as far as degree work. Everything is written in code. Um, You know, follows the old, really old blue lodge, so that a non Mason picking up our book couldn't understand any of it. Um, So that's that's the the cool thing that I found when I first got the book. I went well. First of all, I can't read this thing. I need to learn the the you know the code, and and that's that's something that was. I found it very, very cool actually that you know not anybody can just pick it up and read it. Right.
0: So uh, let's let's start from the top then. So, uh, what did you think your first degree like? Uh, what um, was going you through
1: know, your head? It was, go ahead.
0: Sorry. Uh, what was going through your head like the first degree? Like when you you took the Nerd Apprentice degree, they asked you to do a whole bunch of things. We all know about it. What you are required to do was it like one of those uh, what the hell did I get myself into, or
3: I found it amazing to be honest with you I thought it was a, a really enlightening experience um and Michael Shavallo had already been you know a mason for some time before I became a mason, but you know he asked me about it, you know and said you know what did you what'd you think of the first of the first degree and i said I, it's just incredible it, it really is a, an enlightening experience So it it's It's hard to explain to somebody, obviously, who's never gone through it, but it's, and I was just talking about Masonry yesterday, we were traveling up to, we went to the Wild Rose Casino, which is about a three and a half hour drive from where I live, in a big RV, myself, Michael Nunn, who was the best pound for town boxer in the world, for about, I guess, four years, and they were asking me some questions, and, and Freemasonry came up, and they all started... He got, they kind of looked at me with giant eyes, like, hmm. oh, no, you're one of those guys. <laughs> and, you know, I was able to explain to them uh, a little bit about masonry without revealing anything to them. But I said, you know, honestly, the way you guys talk, I said, you guys would probably make great Freemasons. And they, so they, they're very interested in it. Oh awesome. Very
2: cool. And do you find you get yeah. that a lot, Pat, where uh, you tell somebody it comes up and you tell somebody you're a Freemason, yeah. they kind of give you that look of, oh. Okay, you're you're one of those guys. Does so that happen to you a lot? Devil, of- devil worshipper. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, uh, you and- know, the typical the typical
3: thing, you know, you know, people that don't know anything about it who have read I on the internet the wrong stuff and mm-hmm. you know, make those accusations and stuff. I mean, I will see stuff on Twitter all the time. People will come back and you know, know it is a satanic Freemason. he's an Illuminati. Don't talk to him
0: actually uh Uh, just a little segue, uh, there was something that, uh, again, obviously, you know, we're we're talking to you and, and, you know, I was interested in doing my research on you and trying to figure out, you know, like your your boxing career and your Masonic career and everything. And one of the things that popped up was a conversation on another podcast between Alex Jones, which uh, for anybody who knows, I want to punch him in the throat every time I hear the name. Um, and it was Eddie Bravo, and it was something that you supposedly had said that they took way out of text, and I'm sitting there going, "Do these two realize he can beat the living shit out of both of them?" Like...
3: Also, <laughs> yeah. well, are you saying Trump? Alex Jones said something about about me being a Freemason?
0: Uh, yes, and he went on his normal tangent of flipping the hell out about it, and some, and then Eddie Bravo said something about. uh something about you were quoting morals and dogma and something about Lucifer and, and you didn't dispel that or something along those lines. And I'm sitting there going, I highly doubt that, that it was even in that context.
3: So, and yeah. That- and you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, the, the brain of Masonry is the new book that Michael Crivella just put out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that's the name of it. I You know, we, we talked about the uh, first book, Mm-hmm. Uh, that he put out, but but the brain of Freemasonry, I believe, is the title of his second book. But anyway, uh, you know, Michael Chavello mm-hmm. can dispel. He is so good at dispelling any arguments that people have like that, mm-hmm. and dismantling everything that they bring up. You know, and the history of the of the people who are the biggest authors of of anti Freemasonry right. um, material basically were either kicked out of a lodge or just not let in. So that's you know that was a, a lashing out thing by by people who, you know, had ill intentions anyway. So, you know, that's that's really what it comes down to. But Eddie Bravo, when I was on we do uh podcasts, The Conspiracy Farm, and Eddie Bravo does, you know, he's on Joe Rogan's quite a bit, and he's yeah. also on Sam Tripoli's. And when we were doing Sam Tripoli's show together, I was out in LA, when I said I'm a Freemason, Eddie got jumped out of his chair, scared the hell out of it. <laughs> and and so, you know, Eddie you know, Eddie believes the world is flat, you know, number one. So we've got to, you know, you got to take this in context. Eddie's a great guy. He's an incredible right. jiu-jitsu player, uh, amazing submission expert, um, a great guy. Right. He just, you know, he's just a little off kilter. And, and when I was on Joe Logan's, Joe Logan said it himself, you know, he said, you know, those kinds of conspiracies are too much. You know, that's right. just, it that doesn't make any sense. There's no scientific, right. you can't back it with science, right? So anyway, um, when I said that, he started asking me questions and, and basically, you know, I said, look, man, there's, there's Baptist uh, ministers, there's mm-hmm. there's people of, of different faiths in my lodge. Um, it is not a religion. Uh, we do not practice a religion. We do not talk about uh, uh, Lucifer. We, You know, that's that's just not what he did. And, and in terms of morals and dogma, I said, it is a mind-blowing book. Uh, yes. it is, Albert Pike was an incredibly intelligent human being. Um, you know, and the true meaning of of uh, Lucifer and all of that sort of stuff. You know, technically, you know, the the old um Latin it, it derives from light. Mm-hmm. So is what I said to right. him. So right. I said, you know, that's the, but, but we do not practice any satanic uh, worship whatsoever and, and I said we're not the Illuminati. I said, you know, use your head. The Illuminati are the people that control the monetary systems of the world and, and let's let's just not be, you know, dumb here. Right.
0: And, you know, another thing is, and this is a perfect point, is uh, we actually have, we read on our Patreon page, uh, Morals and Dogma, and we break it down kind of in layman's terms, because it's a tough read. And uh, one of the things that, that I have always said is that, you know, people take that that small little paragraph about, you know, Lucifer and all that stuff, and but they're not reading the entire context in which it's used. They just see where that word is, they took those two sentences, and then they pervert it. So how do you,
3: for my, for my curiosity, mm-hmm. how do you explain it to people? Mm-hmm. How, how do you explain it to the layman? Because I'd like to hear your version, because that may help me uh, improve my, my explanation, of course.
0: Well, if, if you read it um, in that particular passage, and again, I don't have the book in front of me, but he's talking about celestial events. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, um, you know, Morning Star is actually planet Venus. That's what he's describing, and that's where Lucifer comes from, son of the morning. All that has to do with celestial bodies. He right. talks it about means, it right in his
2: book. It means light bringer, right? right in and of it,
0: and right. so that's right. and he's that's where he starts talking about. He's talking about ancient religions and, and, and celestial events and stuff like that in the book. And that's uh, pretty much kind of along the lines. And again, I don't have the book in front of me of what he's talking about. Is that you know we as human beings uh, took the different planets and we put made them gods we gave them names the romans did it the greeks did it and like we still have names of roman and greek gods as our planets to, the, to this day right right so that's the way i that's the way i i perceive it you know
3: yeah maybe and, i'm you know, 100% I, before right. i had ever read any of it a couple guys at the lodge we were having dinner before we went upstairs to to the lodge and yeah. You know, one of them said, you know, that they they liked the book, and the other other couple other guys were, like, uh, you know, some Masons are just deeply divided on that book because they don't dig deeper into the meanings and all that sort of stuff, like you're explaining. So, you know, but it is. I tell you what, for anybody, um, you know, you can tell quickly that Albert Pike had a a, a huge IQ, yeah, um, penning that book. My goodness.
0: It's it's a tough read, too. It's yeah, I, very tough to read.
2: I'll even admit it. I had to read it a, a couple times oh. to really try to get what he was talking about. Your first time through, you're like, yeah, okay. Right. It's almost like you're going you're, through you're the Basically, through your here. mind
3: is a bowl of spaghetti. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. And then you read it a second time. And you're like, okay, I think I might start to understand what he's saying. And then you read it again. You're like, okay, I think I'm I'm close now. I, I I think I can get And that's happened to me with... A lot of Masonic book, uh, Manly P. Hall's Lost Keys of Freemasonry. Same thing. I read it about five six years ago, and I put it down. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> like, I'm just not far along enough in my Masonic journey, and right. my mind's not ready for it. I read it again about a year and a half ago. And I'm like, now it clicks. Now it makes sense. There's a lot of things in Freemasonry that you have to be at a certain point in your journey, both whether it be, you know, ritual wise or Masonic education wise, or just even spiritually before you start to get in tune with those ty- types of things and you can really understand them. Pike is super verbose yeah. and he likes repeating himself.
3: Yes, he <laughs> yes, <it> does. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, the, um, a good place
3: to go for Masonic literature, if you go to org, they are have been in the process for many years of cataloging online the entire Masonic library up there. And it's it's extensive it's mm-hmm. very extensive so it's uh, if you ever get a chance for any masons but listen to this go to grandlodge of org, and you can go on there and find it's it's amazing the amount of stuff and the work that they've done to to put the literature online it's 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 really it's beautiful
2: oh that's great thank you for sharing that awesome yeah, makes yeah, it a lot yeah. more accessible
0: question for you now you've already you you've you've been a worshipful master of the lodge then. that that's incredible. I didn't realize that, you know, not, not that many celebrities don't go through the chairs, but you don't really hear much about their Masonic careers. Right. So, well, yeah, go ahead. Let's hear about your master's year. We all have stories about our master's year, good and bad.
3: Um, You know, I, I tell you, you know, there's the ups and downs with, with, uh, you know, being the head of a lodge, mm-hmm. obviously. you got to manage people. Um, I've run businesses, obviously, several businesses. And, and you know, dealing with brothers um, and personalities and things like that, you know, it does come up. But, um, you know, the year before I became a master, mm-hmm. um, our, our watchable master at the time, the year before, um, and there were a lot of law enforcement guys in my lodge. Um, not a lot, but several. And um he 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 brought up that, and, and this isn't to divide, but it's more on on um a, a learning experience that, that came from all of us for everyone in the lodge. Um and, and he's a great guy. Worshipful master uh the year before me is a a great great guy, but he he made the statement and said that um I, I, he wanted to make a rule that no one was allowed to carry a firearm in lodge uh-huh. and obviously no you know the the rule of no offensive or defensive weapons you know within masonry be carried within the lodge and, and this and that but but there had just been um a couple terrorist attacks on pre-mason lodges yep. um, i think there was one in canada and one in europe one recently and- too. Yeah, and there's been and there's been some more.
2: And there was that one stand so, out in Wisconsin or Minnesota or somewhere out there that yeah, got fought. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And you know, uh, Freemasons have been have been targets of of a lot of oppression and and um, you know, uh, I mean, being just eradicated, you know, by guys like Hitler and things like that. So, right. um, I w- I was quick to stand up and ask for permission to speak and and said, you know, I pointed to the picture of George Washington, um, and I said. Uh, you know, would, would would George Washington approve of this? Number one, um, two, you know, and after we got done with the debate, the debate lasted for probably 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And, um, one of the brothers across the hall, uh, across the lodge said to me, he said, Are you carrying a weapon right now? And I said, I'm not. Uh-huh. And he said, Wow. Well, that, because I, I emphatically, um, you know, pushed that any Mason that felt the need to carry a weapon, um, was, was allowed to do so. Um, not just the Tyler with the sword, the ceremonial sword, but, um, you know, that, that we be allowed to carry weapons. And I didn't, I never carried a weapon into the lodge, but I said that any, any brother that wanted to carry a weapon in here should be allowed, uh, because we need that to protect ourselves from anyone who might, Intrude into the lodge and attack us, right. and and that I think made a pr- an impression on the entire lodge. The fact that I I was never carrying a weapon in the lodge, but pushed for that uh, for any brother next to me to be able to carry one. Um, I, I it dawned on everybody that that I, I'm for individual freedom, right. and that's what Freemasons stand for, right. and and that was that was very important to me. And so the following year. Um, I uh, made it a rule that the Tyler of the lodge have a sidearm. Right, we we've actually had this
0: discussion on and
3: that podcast. was that that was our version of the not ceremonial
2: Tyler sword. Right. Yeah, and awesome. that and so, the, that's something we and, actually and that made. was
3: important. That was that was important to me because that was a that was a, a Masonic point that I wanted to make. Right, um, that that we all stand for 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 individual freedom.
0: Well, actually, worship brother Pat. If you want to, uh, brother Steve here had a an an, an amazing thought about it. And uh, Steve, if you want to just inform him
3: of uh, what you did, he said. just write that. Did he just write that on a piece of paper in front of you? Write what?
0: No. So th- this goes actually back a few years. So <laughs> yeah. So I kind of was <laughs> I was the Tyler. Um, that was my first position as an officer. I'm not sure what what
3: your first position was, but mine was the Tyler. And, yep, I was Tyler me me also and my um my opinion of that was it would be unmasonic to carry anything except a 357 magnum
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> cuz it's got the Well you know what I have got some good <laughs> friends in Connecticut that think a lot like you buddy the, you know, I, hope there's more, I hope there's a
0: lot more of you uh pretty much uh at least our lodge up here we're at Morning Star Lodge 47 in Seymour our, I would okay. say pretty much 90% of our lodge packs at every single meeting, yeah. almost, roughly.
3: Great. That's a, that's a beautiful that's a
0: beautiful thing. We know you're a busy guy. You're all over the place. You're doing multiple things. Um, are you still pretty much active in your lodge, or do you travel a lot?
3: You know, I, I haven't been able to go to many different lodges since Michael Crivello and I stopped working together. He took a job with uh, the one... Fighting championship, which is mainly in Asia. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, I see him online. He still visits, uh, visits lodges, but I haven't gotten the chance to visit many lodges. We visited a, an awful lot of lodges together. And I'll be down there uh, this coming Tuesday. I'll be going down to my lodge to practice degree work because I have to brush up on my skills. Because after being, um, you know, worshipful master of the lodge, I I kind of, I kind of dropped out for a little bit. I did. I got really busy and unfortunately dropped out for a while, but they've they've got me going back down there. I just started going back down there, you know, and, and so I'm going to go down Tuesday and try and jargon this, this gray matter to uh, into working again and being able to memorize it again because it, it, <laughs> it's a perishable skill. If you don't work on it, you lose it.
2: Absolutely. What, uh, what degree are you working on? Uh, well, they'll be working on a first
3: degree. Okay. So, you know, I, I can get through it if, you know, People you know how it is, people get stuck and somebody will throw out a keyword for you. Mm. And then you start throwing again, things like that. But you know, that's that's part of it, you know, rushing up on it. So
0: I have another question for you. So we all know what happens in the third degree. Uh, it's all of the history channel. Uh how was it for your ruffians? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> because if somebody said, funny, said to yeah. me, like you're gonna be
0: third ruffian, I'm gonna be like no,
1: uh, nope.
3: no, no. F- <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, it, and, you know, I, I understood the symbolism and everything and I laughed and they said, listen, I'm going to, you're going to get, you're going to get tapped on the head with this uh, mallet, with, <laughs> but it's padded, it's padded, it won't hurt. Uh, don't be afraid. You know, it's uh, pretty much the same thing you're going to explain to anybody that's going through it. And, and, you know, but, but the thing that I was most worried about was the fall. <laughs> <falling in laughs> get caught, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, right. Yep. I would be more worried yeah. about, like, going to catch Grandmaster Ivan and then
2: just get ground and pounded. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, cause some of that stuff's got to be, yeah. like, just muscle memory for you. And uh, I mean, I know you're a professional on it and stuff, but, right, you know, somebody comes at you like that and you're not expecting it, especially if uh, you're in a situation where you don't see it coming, you're like, wow, okay. It's, it's, it's tell you what, you know,
3: as the ruffians, you know, as I went along and uh, being grabbed by them and and you know going going through it and them talking to me, they they did a great job. I mean, yeah. they were they were um, very assertive in the way they were supposed to be and all that. And yeah. So I don't think that they were I don't think that they were really too um, intimidated or anything. They they knew that I understood, but it was uh, again you know it's just it's a cool experience. It's a cool experience to go through it and and I just you know I encourage anybody who you know is curious about Mason Rear, who's been curious about it for years, you know to contact their local lodge. And, and and just go find out for yourself it's 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 an amazing journey
2: now what would be really be scary is showing up and finding out that Pat's your third ruffian <laughs> <laughs> that would be I'm a scary you, thing showing up and finding what that you're the third ruffian that, that you're' <laughs> I that have been
3: the third ruffian
2: yeah. oh, oh boy,
3: oh that's... that poor bastard <laughs> brother.
0: brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah. So uh just so you know, uh we we have an after kind of like an after we have our conversation. I have episode uh 72 cuz we're on episode 72, but it's 72.5 and at the end of it it's uh kind of like after we talk and everything, it's we're just kind of re- recovering everything. But the end if you end up listening to to this uh one when I release it or or the the uh, 72.5 uh, at the end of 72.5, I actually uh, had a what I pretended to be a clip from your third degree that I think you might get a good laugh out of. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I will definitely listen. All right, that'll be fun. that a so, big one? Yeah, so uh, next question you run the pod- podcast, The Conspiracy Farm. Um, uh, right? there are a lot of, and I've listened to it, I mean, I think all of us have pretty much listened mm-hmm. to it, and uh, by far the best one that you've covered was Benghazi. That one was,
3: yeah, it was it was hard hitting. Uh, Chris Tonto Peronto, you know, mm-hmm. confirmed everything we had been saying for years about weapons uh, being run by Western intelligence through Benghazi, Libya, and into the into the hands of ISIS and Al Nusra in Syria, and, and you know, and it was it was a satisfying feeling that that number one uh, we, that he graciously even took the time to be on my podcast, but uh, of course he doesn't need that to, to waste time with podcasts. Um, but, but what he went through, you know, and all those guys went through was just horrific. And, and it, it also confirms for me, I can't say 100% that ambassador Stevens died because he was the link to that operation and, and was running that operation and that he needed to go away so that nobody would find out about it, basically, but but uh, it's it's pretty obvious, you know, to, to anybody who's done research on the subject, that that's kind of what, that's pretty much what went down, and, and then Hillary and Obama, you know, I don't care what, what political lines you follow, and we're not in lodge, so we can talk politics, but mm-hmm. a little bit, but... I'll just you know, tell you this, the, we're, the, all the, the, we're all pretty
0: much 2A, we're all pro 2A, so...
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, just leave it at that. that at least this but ones. you know with Hillary and Obama standing in front of those caskets of those four um, <laughs> no. four Americans you know two Navy SEALs an ambassador and his assistant um, and lying and saying it was about a YouTube video a riot caused by a YouTube video and all of that I just oh. instantly knew um, and that the American people not marching in the streets after after hearing that I, it just it, it it was just so sad it was so sad that uh, so many Americans believe the TV on the wall and they believe uh, what the politicians are telling them. It's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. It really is. But um, Chris Paronto is an American hero.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, all of those all those guys that died there in Benghazi are American heroes. And you can talk to anybody from that level of military, and they know the truth, and they are. They're not fans of, of the folks who are responsible. for it that way. Mm.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm I I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, your your podcast, Conspiracy Farm, because it's conspiracies that have factual information.
3: I'm not yeah, yeah. I'm not down. You know, We've got to have experts on who know what they're talking about. Right. We have to have documentation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the documentation is very important. You know, a daily on the the Bulgarian reporter who uncovered the mm-hmm the uh, weapons from Bulgaria made at a company called Arsenal Weapons Manufacturing, you know, her uncovering those weapons caches in Syria, you know, and then trying, basically a lot of our politicians, our State Department, the head, head of the State Department, who was Hillary Clinton back then, you know, to those weapons going going there to, and, and to the Ukrainian neo-Nazis and causing the Civil War there and a lot of bloodshed. You know, it's, it, it's, we have to have those kinds of people on it. You know, it, people still, the cognitive dissonance is so strong in, in so many millions of Americans that, you know, I still have people, even though it's documented and proven, who will just refuse to accept it and call me a tinfoil hat wearer yeah. and things like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's weird. I don't know what it is, whether it's the, you know, the pineal gland that is in de- that's dead in a certain percentage of Americans. Um, because, you know, the, the pineal gland being the third eye, the connection to God, the connection to, you know, just, intuition and gut feelings and, and things like that you know I, it, I that's that's the best explanation i could come up with you know, as far as people just being kind of just blind to at least considering other alternatives or narratives than they're hearing from the news
2: well and i and i think part of it too pat is the fact that it's easier to dismiss it as some wacky crazy theory than to stop and think about wow this could really be going on and most people are oblivious to it and it kind of shakes you at your core and your foundation once you realize you know whether it's your government or another government or, or somebody can do all of this like in plain sight of everybody and it's easier for some people to just dismiss it and pretend like it's not happening
3: yeah yeah and some people are afraid they're, they're terrified of, the, of of even being exposed to it I had a an, an executive producer. At one of the networks that I I, I've worked at in the past, and I was I started bringing it up, and and, uh, some basically I was talking about the Emerald Tablets and and the Anunnaki and and the um, the Sumerian Kings List. Now you're talking my language. And he goes, yeah. So he goes, he goes, don't, 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 please. He goes, I want to be able to sleep at night, Pat. Dear God, you know. I think that they look at it as if they, if they actually accept it, then they, they will be troubled, you know, wow. um, and they will have trouble sleeping.
2: They'll be troubled, and a lot of people will actually be compelled to do something about it. And, you know, once you acknowledge it, and if you're that type of person where you realize something, you're compelled to do something about it, it's a pretty overwhelming task once you realize that, okay, I can't just go on living accepting this. Something needs to be done.
3: It's that it's that uh, blissfully happy thing, right? Exactly. Just want to be, exactly. just want to be blissfully happy and, and is thing. bliss. And and here's a here's a great I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Michael Spadello sent me to this website also. Um, have you guys ever gone to the the dot com? No, no, I don't, I don't think sure I've ever been to that one. This was actually all of this all of this material uh from this website comes from the testimony of a 32nd degree mason mm-hmm. and uh, basically he was, I think he was dying of cancer is what it was, but he gave all of his research to another
1: <coughs> excuse
3: me I believe he was another mason and he he put this website up and Michael Spivello goes just go, just go read it and start researching and you come back and tell me what you think after you've spent time on it and I, I tell you what guys if you go to thehiddenrecords.com and you and you read and you look at everything. You go because it's all about the ancient, the ancient maps of civilizations that all match. You know, as far as uh, Pleiades and you know the three, the three, the three, uh, stars, and you know the, the commonalities of three. And it, it's it's very interesting. It is very interesting. I would say that it's a it's a fun it's a fun research.
2: And bookmarking it as we speak.
0: Yeah, and we actually uh, on our Patreon we also cover the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, and as well as uh, uh, the Kybalion, as well. And uh, that's amazing.
3: That's amazing. amazing yeah, stuff. Just, uh, uh, we had uh, Billy Billy Carson. Uh, listen to that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Listen
3: to our episode with MIT propulsion scientist Billy Carson. Billy Carson saw mm-hmm. a UFO at the airbase next to his house when he was I don't know seven years old, eight years old, and he said from. That point forward, he knew what he was going to do. He's so intelligent, but he knows the, the Emerald Tablets inside and out. And when we had him on, you know, I went and listened to the translation of the, of the Emerald Tablets. And he, he you know, dumbs it down for, for the layman and mm-hmm. talks about, you know, the, the land of Kim as Egypt and, yep. and talks, talks ship coming, you know, leading leaving Earth uh, when it was covered with water coming down in the land of Kim, which was Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you listen to this stuff. And while I was talking to Billy on our show, you know, he's talking about, you know, talk, extending his, his staff and using vibrations brings the, the people from the land of Kim to their knees. And I said, well, that's all I could. Have, I, when I researched, you know, how they built the pyramids and, and all of these other mega structures around the world. And we don't even have equipment that can move this these stones. Right. You know, I said so was it vibration do you think is that the only way that they could have done this and he said that's that's what the that's kind of the conclusion we've come to as scientists right. and you know and they've just been able to start moving small objects with vibrations you know in research but, but Billy uh, blew our mind as far as you know the, the Sumerian kings being able to live for so many thousands tens of thousands of years and rule for thousands of years which blows any, any human's mind but then he talked about Scientists are able to take the uh, the entire—I can't remember the, the the storage of this computer—and download it onto a literally the head of a pin um, of human DNA. They can download all that information onto the human DNA and then re-upload it into the computer. And he said they have been able to, you know, uh, download basically the consciousness of a monkey into a computer. The computer. The monkey in the computer thinks it's climbing around the trees and eating bananas, but it has no body, right? So then you think about the reanimation of the Sumerian kings and how they uh, put bodies in for regeneration, and then could reanimate those bodies with their spirit and all. And then it starts to make sense, and you go, "This is this is pretty mind blowing stuff that that we're starting to figure out."
0: I'm uh, I'm actually um, quite quite um, <laughs> quite in uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for. Where I'm looking into, uh, I look into a lot of the uh, Sumerian tablets. That's like my thing. You're a scholar. I'm, Sumerian I'm not a scholar. scholar. I'm he, a dumbass he, that just likes he, Sumerian stuff. So uh, that part is. I true. tell you
3: what, it's, it's amazing for anybody to read it and start researching it. And, you know, I would think that the Billy Carson, you know, steer anybody toward, toward that interview we did with MIT scientist Billy Carson. So them starting down that road of, of just starting to research that, and, and I tell you what, it's mind-blowing stuff. It really is. Well, one of the,
0: one of the books that I, I've read that I absolutely love is The Lost Book of Enki by Zechariah Sitchin.
3: Yeah. It's, it's literally... It's, that guy was amazing, wasn't he? It's literally
0: stories straight out of the Bible that he has translated, and he was like, what, one of five in
3: the world that was able to? It's insane. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean... You know, I, sit there and I think to have that level of intelligence that some of these some of these people have had to be able to do this stuff and and it's it's obvious now though you know now that I've dug into it and had this podcast for this many years you know it's it's obvious that that civilizations very intelligent civilizations have risen and fallen you know through cataclysmic events that the that the earth has seen and and you know that certainly is probably going to obviously happen again at some point and We'll probably be gone and there'll maybe be a few people left or, you know, the Anunnaki are repopulated. I have no idea, but, you know, it's it's, it's obvious, though, that it's happened several times in the past.
0: So is all this stuff uh, that you've gotten into, is this because of Freemasonry? Like, did it kind of point you in that direction? Or, or is this something that you've always
3: been interested in? I think it's, I've always been interested and curious about the truth, you know, the. But the time when I was in 1971, when when Nixon took us off the gold standard and mm. uh, the farm collapse happened, you know, when he put us on the petrodollar, mm. and you know, standing with my grandma and my mother in Albia, Iowa, it's a tiny little town in southern Iowa, where the where the family farms were, uh, standing at the bank, uh, being the first first ones in line at the bank, uh, to and my grandmother in 1971 getting. It was right around ninety some thousand dollars, eighty-eight thousand. I can't remember the exact number, but it was right around there that she was actually able to withdraw from that tiny Albia Farmers National Bank and walk out of there with with her cash uh, before the before the bank, you know, basically went belly up from everybody getting their money out. But there was lines; the line was blocks and blocks long of all the farmers in that part of Iowa with the bank there uh, to get their money out. And many of those families did not, and that, that was that caused a real Real problem, real farm crisis, and uh, that that started me down the road of being curious and sitting on the on the living room floor in the family house watching Walter Cronkite. Uh, I would be glued to the news, and that's, I probably should have been a broadcaster. But had I become a broadcaster, I probably would be shaking my head and walking out after the first couple of weeks because <laughs> I was being told I was being told that you know say this that's coming coming over the you know the AP wire. To all the local stations, and they all mimic and parrot the same thing that they read, and they all read the same script. And it's you know, you guys have seen those videos where they, you know, will edit together, you know, fifty small stations
2: across the country,
3: and they're all saying the exact same same narrative.
2: Because there's only three or four companies or or, or conglomerates that own all of the news channels. There's not that many, and when you think about it, and yeah, when you see those videos. See, those are the things that start to disturb people because then it's very real. Yeah. Um. And think about how long this right. has been going on when you didn't have things like YouTube or the internet to share this information, mm. and you'd be like, "Yeah, this guy's a kook, whatever." Oh, I there, mean, there's t- no evidence of it, but now it's all over. And in
0: terms of Freemasonry, right. even on YouTube, they they drag our name through the mud all over YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even oh. YouTube isn't a true sense of news. So so where do you get it from? You know. And I I personally right. believe that it's small podcasts. Uh, like not, I don't want to say small, but you know, smaller podcasts that smaller than big giant news agencies is what I'm getting at. Right. Independent, independent—that's the word I'm looking for. That right. that right. tell the truth, but
3: you'll never hear it I because it. they don't got millions. If I can find this, if I can find this, uh, it's it's the picture of a, a horn's cut in half with somebody lighting it on fire, uh, using it as a candle. If you pour. If you if you hollow out and just leave the stem in the center uh, of an orange and you pour olive oil into it, you can use it. Okay, I found it. It it, it's a, it basically and this is when everyone I don't care who they were in the country got red filled all at the same moment and they made sure the story went away. But this is this is how it leads people into reading about this. There's some uh, you can see some uh, some woman or guy who finds it curious. This picture of this orange being lit like a candle. And it says, did you know, you can make a nice smelling candle using an orange. Just take an orange, cut in half, eat the middle portion, leave the center stem intact, pour olive oil into the orange, just below the top of the stem. Light the stem. It will burn for hours, and Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: That's pretty funny.
3: (laughs) It was such. I found that so creative for the person that put that together, would lure somebody into reading that and then getting to the end and and hitting them right in the face with that.
2: <laughs>
3: it was just it was so it was so well done.
2: Yeah, no, and that that's a whole other can of worms. Uh, that whole Epstein thing—that's something, and that, and that's what we said before. When you know your podcast is called the Conspiracy Farm and you discuss conspiracy <laughs> theories, but when there's a truth behind it. It's no longer a theory. Right. And I think that was you know, that was so blatantly obvious that people that were skeptical or, you know, that thought the people like us were crazy for thinking there is this big conspiracy with the Clintons and all these folks. That was so blatantly obvious that even the, yeah. the, even your, you know a person who's skeptical of the whole conspiracy thing is, like, OK, what the heck's going on here? Like this is too blatant. They must think we're all idiots.
3: Yeah, well, and that was the thing is, you know, we talked about on our show the minute he got arrested the second time and got put in that that jail, that federal jail in New York City. We both talked about it on our show. We go, he's a dead man. He's a walking dead man. We already know it. He's he's going to be dead. And then you know the guards all fell asleep, and there was a replacement guard there. Oh, and oh, by the way, none of the cameras worked. And you know, and it just went on and on, and then it disappeared. And then it disappeared, you know, and you just you, you just want to, it makes you want to beat your face on your desk, <laughs> you know, just because, because people actually, you know, and it was a couple, gosh, it was probably a week or so after he got arrested, some of my broadcast partners on my crew um, asked me about it. And they said, you know, we're starting to think that you're like, right. Because, you know, in TV, there's quite a few people that lean left. And I'm fine with that. You know, I can hold a conversation with them and, and, um, and, and just have a sensible conversation. And, and then they started asking me about this stuff. And I go, "Rick, I've been telling you for a long time that, that what these people are doing to children is real. These are powerful people who do this stuff to children. And we've talked about this numerous times on my show. And people just roll their eyes and, and don't think that it's true because most human beings, are kind. They never, it, that doing things like that to children never crosses people's minds. It is so, is so disturbing um, that people just don't think other human beings are generally capable of that. And certainly not people in high positions in government and, and churches and, you know, all this other stuff. And, and, uh, but and ignorance is bliss. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and so after Epstein got arrested, they started asking me questions and I started going through stuff with them. Um, you know, eight and I was raised Catholic, but let's be honest, eight thousand Catholic priests worldwide that we know of have molested children. It's documented, it's proven. That the we same know number, the same number of Boy Scout leaders have done that. Now I'm not saying all Boy Scout leaders are that way, but I'm just saying it's rampant in society and it has been for a long time. And that's that's just the way it is. And and so P, it did open people's eyes, it red pilled people to look, this stuff is going on and, and, and all the other stuff that we talk about, all the different subject matter, look, it's documented and, and we can prove it if you would just take the time to listen.
0: So I got a question for you. I got a theory for you.
2: What okay. What's on Oak Island? Because we know Freemasons have been involved. I was going to ask him the same exact thing. <laughs> you and I are like on the same page. That was going to be my very next question. Oak Island, what are your thoughts? I,
3: I, I love, I absolutely love that show. Um, I believe that it's it's very possible that the Knights Templars did go there because, look, the, the complexity of the booby traps with the water coming in, you know, the 90-foot stone, when they lifted the 90-foot stone, you know, the shaft flooded, you know, it, all of this stuff, uh, and some of the things that they found on that island, you know, the ancient crosses that are, you know, from, my goodness, uh, I mean, they're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. But and they traced it
2: back to France. Around the
3: time, around the same time frame that the, free, uh, that the Knights Templars would have, would have fled uh, Europe uh, from persecution, it kind of makes sense that that there is something there. And those guys, I, I tell you what, man, it, it's like the, the ultimate, my buddy, Mike, Mike Wolf and Frank Fritz, that I grew up with to do, you know, the uh, American Pickers show. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. You know, that's, my mindset and I'm sure you guys think the same way. I, when I'm driving on the highway, I'll see gravel roads everywhere in the country. And I'm like, what's on the end of it? What's it? What's at the end of that gravel road on a, on a farm, you know, because I, I spent so much time on my family's farms and stuff. And it, it was just so cool. Um, but that's the ultimate American pickers show. Like you're hunting for the coolest treasure that could have ever existed. So, right. And that's, that's what those guys are doing. So it's, it's a really, really uh, intriguing and compelling
2: story. So let me ask you, Pat. Do you, do you think it's still there? Do you think there's still something there?
3: I think I think there is. I truly I truly believe something's there because those guys with all the technology that they've had, uh, the sonar systems, the the heavy equipment, the drilling equipment, all that sort of stuff, um, and they're still having trouble getting down to where they can uh, find it. It's we know. Look, when you think about it, go, think back. At the buildings, the cathedrals that were built, the the pyramids that were built long before those, you know the 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 engineering knowledge that ancient civilizations and ancient people had, it baffles us. So why wouldn't guys who were Knights nice Templars at that level of intelligence, why wouldn't they be able to to put it in in a in a place and make it so hard to get to that you know seven people like they said have to die before they before they can get to it, and all of this stuff—the legend—and uh, it's just, I—it's—it's. It's, look, man, the timbers and the coconut, uh, the coconut fibers fiber, and all yeah. the other yep. stuff—you just that far down. See, the humans were there. Humans, humans created all that stuff. All the timbers and the walls and all the other stuff—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just incredible.
2: See, and I'm a big fan of the show. I've I've watched every season since it started, but I have to admit, at the end of every season, I'm like, "This is it." I'm not watching anymore. I, I, I'm done. They're never gonna find anything.
3: Stop being a pussy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen to the man, Joe. He uh, knows what he's talking about. Okay, worshipful brother. <laughs> I think. I think the things they found there—the
3: Spanish galleon coin, the you know the the ancient Gaelic uh, cross, you know all the other things that they
2: found. I think. I think they're spot on you know i'm I'm more of the mindset of there was something there the The evidence is that at at least at one time there was something there, um yeah. but I'm not convinced that it's still there. I think somebody may have already gone back to get it uh and it, and it's so gone
3: that's what, that's what I think that's where I think you know they just had a family on the was it the McGinnises or the uh it was their descendants who said that they found three chests.
2: Yeah, on so the saw that episode. That yeah. there was
3: a a gold a golden Celtic cross or something um, that they brought to show the Blankenships in a in a meeting that they had, and it was just on maybe last night or no the night before, hmm. and they showed the Blankenships the cross, and they they were you know it was it was pretty 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 cool, uh, but it kind of reinvigorated the, the Blankenship brothers and uh, to keep going. So, but you know you think about you know the Ark of the Covenant. And some, some of these other things that were, have said to have been in, in the Knights Templar's possession, possessions. And then, but you hear, uh, the, it, it's kind of interesting. You guys have heard about the, I, I believe they were Ethiopian who said that they were the original Jews who had the Ark of the Covenant and it's in, uh, a monastery, that building on that monastery that's guarded the, the monk. There's one monk that, that guards it his until he dies and then a the new monk. It's exactly. in place, and r- routinely those guys uh, die um, early. And what's interesting is, you know, then there's talk in the research that they said that what's inside of the Ark of the Covenant is some sort of. I mean, do they think it's some sort of alien? Um, something that that has to do with with some sort of nuclear power, and it's and these guys are dying of cancer because they're they're so, you know in proximity to it for so long in their life and it ends up killing them there's just so much stuff but they did dna tests on those ethiopians and they are jew they Jew. they are jewish the original jewish um people who who fled uh the original tribes tribes, yeah you know hard to say so i have a question for you uh
0: you didn't go anything did you do any of the degrees past blue lodge are you just a blue lodge Freemason?
3: I'm a Blue Lodge Freemason. I I was always on the road broadcasting every time we had York, um, York right, you know, or Scottish right stuff going on here in the state of Iowa, and it was frustrating. Um, for years, I've missed it, but, uh, right. you know, so I'm I'm kind of in the process. I just got contacted today. I can't say what network I'm going to be with, but I just, you know, Access TV was bought out by Anthem, and Anthem basically... Immediately discontinued and let loose over forty employees. I believe it was sixty employees from Access TV who were doing MMA, which included me. But uh, but I, I am now uh, going to be going to be picking back up uh, my broadcasting in November, which is great. Which is great. But I'm I'm working on so many other things too. I'm going to look at a, going to look at a house today that's got a, a couple of pole buildings and a barn on the property. Oops. Where I can um, update these the the barn I'm going to turn the barn into it's going to be a training facility plus also it's going to have a studio in there where we can do our shows. James Culver and I are going to be doing shows out of there and and my podcasts and and some other stuff. So you know I'm pumped I'm pumped to be able to stay home more. I won't be on the road as much. That's awesome. But I'll be able to put out a lot more content that way and it's I'm I'm pretty pumped about it. That's awesome. That's great. And so reason- yeah, but to, to answer your question, no, I'm I'm still. Uh, just a Blue Lodge member, and, but I, I have been trying my my hardest to get to those, but you know I just couldn't miss broadcast because there's 100 people waiting for my job.
1: Well, the,
0: yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. So the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I find it very interesting. You're talking about the Ark of the Covenant and everything. And when you take the York Rite degrees, the Ark of the Covenant pops up in a couple. And I just find it interesting that in Freemasonry, uh, the Ark of the Covenant would pop up you know what I mean? It's like, um, yeah. why is it in there? Like, and I guess, yes, it's all allegory, but, you know, and I don't want to give too much away because you, you said you want to take the York right degrees, correct? Or are you just
3: not going to have to yeah. do it? No, I'm, I, eventually, yes, I will. But, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and continue. But I, I, have, I have had thoughts on this.
0: No, I, I don't want to give anything too much away because I, I don't want to take away from your experience of it because uh I've been up every Masonic line you could possibly go to at this point in my career for the most part. Okay. Um, but, the, and I'd love to have a, a future conversation with you. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be just call me up so you can be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like oh my God, the allegory in that, like, like, it, 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 we can go on for hours just talking about like just the whole, the, the degree you take, you take the degree and, you know, then you think about Oak Island and you're like, wow, the correlation between two. And actually I want to, I want to just say it was actually Scott Walter. It was an episode that he had done. I think it was a uh, a conversation. It might even have been a podcast or just some sort of a, uh, um, an interview he did where, because he's also a Freemason. Um and he talked about going to the York right and he made the same connection between uh Oak Island and one of the degrees of chapter, which is part of the York. Ah, Rite, and it's so very cool. Very cool. When and but, if you and do, feel free to give me a call and be like, Holy shit, George. Like,
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I I'm, I'm excited about it. And you know, they, that's the you know, the allegory that you speak of, but you know, then we hear historians say that, you know, the 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 temple, King Solomon's Temple, you know, the ruins of it are underneath, you know, the Temple of the Mount and all this other stuff and I just you know, um I so I, I'm just a little curious to say the least on what that ultimate truth is, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Um and and the and the, the 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 legends of, you know, the Knights Templars uh, treasure being in, in that in the basement of that temple and, and uh Know, and the Earth of the Covenant potentially being part of that, and it's just it's it's
2: mind blowing stuff. And there's got to be a, a reason why three major religions have been fighting over that one right. spot for thousands of years. Like there's got to be a reason. Right, right. Right.
3: And, yeah, yeah. And you know, we of course do not know the truth of all of this stuff. You know, you know. But when, when you, you you think about, you just think about all the. The people that you know, even in power, in the three world's major religions, uh, that seem to want to find out. I mean, the way they're they're pushing the violence and, and the warfare and everything else, it's almost like they want to find out if their religion is the true one and the right one, and that their you know the, their hero is going to come back. You know, it's 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 a little scary that people like that are are in are are in power that want to bring about you know that. That's uh, that ending, you know what I
2: mean. Well, I think the joke will be on them because I think if that if anybody ever finds the truth about that, they're more likely going to find that it's all the same and not three separate, Mm and there's so much overlap that it's in essence just just yeah,
3: absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think religion uh, is like the
2: telephone
0: game. (laughs) What's that? I think religion is like the telephone game where you get, you know, everybody at one point, and this is just my opinion, everybody at one point, there was a one true story and then I told this guy, and I messed up the story, and then he told this guy and messed up the story, and then they argued over the fact that they, you know, well, no, this is what I heard, and this is what I heard, and that's my personal opinion on everything.
3: Yeah, no, and that's over thousands upon thousands of years. Of course, that's happen. I mean, people screw up the story about Tito Ortiz getting beat up by Lee Murray in the alley in London. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I tell oh. I, I one person the story and by the time it gets back to me, it's totally different. Right, but, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: He got stabbed in an alley. <laughs> Changed the whole damn story around. Oh. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how much time you got left Pat. You, you just uh when you're ready to cut it off, you just let me know.
3: <laughs> well, I I'd love to come back with you guys whenever you have time, but yeah, my wife's going to make me get off the phone here and, and no go problem. look at that, Go look at that property with right. you well, know. I'm, I'm really excited to see it actually. So it's it's uh but yeah, I, I wish we had more time, but yeah, anytime you guys want to have me back on, I'd love to come back on. You guys are a blast to talk to. it.
2: it be be careful what you wish for. Because we'll we'll definitely be in touch. We'd we loved having you on. We appreciate you taking the time to, to be a part of this and uh yeah, we'll I'll definitely be in touch with you uh later on uh over the next couple of days that. just to I appreciate uh... that. I know you guys have a
3: ton of guys that to talk to but if anybody ever drops out and you need a last minute replacement I'll come back on and tell more stories that does that. Right. I'm more of the person
0: that uh if you were like hey I'm free to talk and be like get out <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pat Miller, yeah, I'm I'm like, just calling get, get out. <laughs> we'll throw people out. But you know you know we'd love to get uh, Michael Shabello on and, and and other folks that you might be able to help us out with. So uh Yeah, yeah. you know what?
3: Um yeah shoot me a text. Let me guys shoot me a text and then I'll uh text Michael um I'll text Michael's email address to you guys, and that way you guys can send him an email. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent.
2: And Excellent.
0: if you're ever in the Connecticut area, uh, come on up here and uh, we'll um, we'll show you a good time. We'll show you yeah. a good time. See, see more <laughs> Connecticut
3: think... style. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think I will be because I've got a couple friends out there in Connecticut who I'm launching a, a clothing line with called uh, Survival Skin Clothing, clothing with a K though survival skin clothing and cool. so i'll be going out there for business and stuff so yeah i'll definitely swing you know hang out with you guys
2: oh please So we would love that, that we'd would would really absolutely awesome. love that
3: try and time it when you guys are doing degree work or something
2: yeah. Uh, that'd, well, be that'd be even
3: better. <laughs> even better, yes. We'll
2: time it around you. You let us know. As a matter
0: of fact, if we do the third degree, I'm leaving Ruffian 3 open.
3: You, know, <laughs> you got a permanent place on the degree team. I love <laughs> it.
0: Just awesome. so I can see somebody's
3: face go, oh,
1: oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, oh, that, I'm not
3: that big of a guy. I'm not, you know. No, but uh, you're, um, everybody you're knows 90, me. I just I look bigger sitting on people's chests. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honest to God, everybody
0: knows your face. Everybody knows what you've accomplished in your in your UFC career. So just the
2: presence of you walking in the door, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be that would be something else. That would be awesome. That would yeah. be cool. But cool. Well, good luck with your uh, with your house hunting. Again, yeah. we appreciate right, you uh, you taking the time to to talk to us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, you know, be well, Thank and you. we'll talk to you, brothers. You're very welcome. Thank you, Worshipful Brother.
0: All right, brothers. You heard it. We have uh, Worshipful Brother Pat, Worshipful Brother Pat Miletic on the show. So we're going to shut down the feed. So
2: what did you brothers think? Loved it. That That was great. That was amazing. It it went a bunch of different directions that I didn't know it was going to go to. But Mm -hmm. when he started hitting on that esoteric stuff, God, I just got to like it tingle up my back i got hard I'm not gonna lie i had a full one like well your full <laughs> one's like a half one for everybody else i didn't really until he started talking i'm a tripod about it. all right <laughs> hey
0: <laughs> pat millitage called me a pussy
2: <laughs> yes he did how freaking awesome is that that is, that pretty, is
3: intense. Uh, that's pretty intense it's better than you know george calling you a ginger Why i should... just i can't wait for the pay-per-view i can't wait man. for
0: the discord oh my god this is great this is i don't care I don't care. I can't wait for Papa George's comments. <laughs> He's not lying. Hey, uh, for anybody who's listened to this, uh, I, um, I'm going to do a quick little commercial at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And I actually, for those who don't know, I actually have live audio from when Warcraft Brother Pat Militich was going through his Master Mason degree. <laughs> so after wow. the end of this, yes. rather no than playing our, our exclusive outro music, uh, we have a new song, by the way, in our new yes, outro music. Like it. It's pretty awesome. I am um, going to be playing a audio clip from Brother Pat Miletich's Master Mason degree. Awesome! So, for the Freemasons podcast, I am your host, Right Worshipful Brother George Marjorie, signing off. Worshipful Brother Joe, signing off. Worshipful Brother Ken, signing off. Ken, signing off. Have a good night. Good everybody. night. Bye.